Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. Hopefully you did the work and you have a role or a few roles that you have for yourself that you have um, embodied since since you were a child and you are exhibiting this as an adult. In other words, you're still in this role, but you're in the role now as an adult. So the interesting thing about this is that this role has a kind of a syntax to it, or a progressive order of how it exhibits itself and how it expresses itself in your life. So we're going to start with the core first, the, what we would call the heart, the essence of who you are. Um, as you've heard me say many, many times, you, are, you come into this world just a pure, unadulterated version of spirit and your unconditional love. You have a purpose that is locked inside of you. You have a desire that is, that is going to be expressed at some point in your life, and it is extremely vulnerable. Uh, in other words... It um, absolutely needs the care of the parent in order to protect its little self. Now, if we were to if we were to just shift and look at nature for a moment, one of the things that we realize in nature is that it is nature does need and works very hard and adapts to to protecting itself against predators, so to speak, things that prey on, you know, it, larger things that prey on, on smaller things, let's say that, um, in nature. But what we don't see is we don't see nature adapting to protect itself from itself. And that's exactly what we do from this point forward. So if you could imagine Uh, just seeing the essence of yourself, this little vulnerable essence of you, maybe in the shape of a heart, and then all around it, all around that heart, is just like a vacuum, like a black, icky, oozy vacuum that's around you where nothing exists. And this essence is just beating away all by itself, and there's this vacuum. Something comes into the vacuum, and in this place where there's nothing uh, but just ick, okay, shows up as what we would call um, a negative guilt or shame syndrome in your life. What is this? Um, what it is, is the, it, this is the very specific result of you being manipulated at a very young age into something that you're not. The, but the way that I make it sound like this black, oozy, ick, nothing, is because at that time of your life, you can't identify it, okay? Um, you can't critically think about it. 
the, you have no conscious understanding of any of the emotions that you feel around it. The only thing that's going on at that time of our life is the subconscious instinct to survive. So we can't change the parent uh, in any way. So the only thing that we can do is change ourselves. So we begin to adapt in this place. Now, shame and guilt start to form a bubble around that essence of you. But remember, shame says something is wrong with you, and guilt says something is wrong with what you have done, okay? What's really interesting about these two emotions of shame and guilt is that we can, we can take them on and express them and self-identify with them without thinking about them. Now, if you want to think about how profound that really is, because at this very young, tender age when you're first born, and you're literally being shamed and guilted into changing behavior, okay? So your parents are making you wrong and what you have done wrong, in order to get you to do what they want to do. We literally can experience this without having any knowledge of what it is. And it, we are at this age where our whole self-image is starting to form. Because when we, really, when we come into the world, we have no self-image. Um, we have no conscious reflection of ourself. We don't know who we are yet. Uh, we're, all we're doing is experiencing everything that's going on in and around us and then expressing however we feel at the time, whether we're tired or in pain or we're hungry or we have to go to the bathroom or whatever it is. Those are basically the only things that we can express. And everything else around us is like wonderment, right? Because we, we, have, we have no way of identifying anything. We haven't learned anything yet. So our world, while it's huge around us, actually internally is very, very small. So the very first things that we're exposed to on a regular basis as far as emotions go, and the reason that I'm saying emotions is because we're really at at this time of our life, all we're doing is feeling. That's what we're doing. We're feeling our way through the world. We're not thinking about it yet. We're feeling our way about it. And... We have good feelings that we're experiencing and bad things that we're experiencing. So as these begin to stack up, whichever side is stacking up the biggest, the fastest, the most impactful, is the one that we start to internalize as who we are, um, you know, as our core, the core image of ourself. Even though the, the true image of us already exists. It's not being allowed to come out. Because if, you, if that image starts to express itself and it causes the parent to go into their shame or guilt or role or story or pattern or whatever way that they express negative love patterns, then they react to our behavior. They react to whatever it is that we're done, we've done, They react to who we're being in the moment in a negative way. And all that is for us is like a mirror. So we take that in as us, as we have done something wrong. We are wrong. So 
that becomes, starts to become the core essence. We actually think that there's like something about us that is broken or damaged. Um, Wayne Mueller uh, wrote a book called Legacy of the Heart, and this is what he said. You're not broken. Childhood suffering is not a mortal wound, and it did not irrevocably shape your destiny. You need not remove, destroy, or tear anything out of yourself in order to build something new. Your challenge is not to keep trying to repair what was damaged. Your practice, instead, is to reawaken what is already wise, strong, and whole within you, to cultivate those qualities of heart and spirit that are available to you in this very moment, okay? So it's, this is not um, about the fact that we're broken and we have to fix ourselves, right? People that take that approach, take, it takes forever for them to make changes, and they rarely ever do. They rarely ever make any changes. So at this core place, all we have right now is the heart, the essence of who we are, and shame and guilt. Now, why shame and guilt? Well, I've talked about this a little bit before, but just to kind of refresh your memory, predominantly, worldwide, if you look at how has authority, we'll just say authority, been able to control the masses, it has been with shame and guilt. That's what it comes down to. Um, all of the physical punishments, all of the verbal punishments, all of the emotional punishments, all of the financial punishments that are used worldwide are used to induce at its very core, le core level shame and guilt. And it had to start somewhere. I think that's what's so fascinating about this, because we're not born with shame and guilt. A little baby is not ashamed of itself, right? A little baby does not feel a need to cover up its genitals uh, when it's a little baby. That is something that is taught to that baby. And when it starts, when we actually start doing things, behaviors, in other words, ways of being, how we put ourselves out in the world, with an underlying core of I'm doing this because if I don't, I'd be ashamed or I'd be embarrassed or I'd feel guilty, you have to know that you were taught that, that it was ingrained in you from a small child. So it became a way of being first and foremost in your life, like really early on. It's absolutely crazy when you think about the fact with all the different kinds of emotions that could be kind of installed in us or brought forward um, as a core way of being and expressing ourselves, shame and guilt are the ones that are used worldwide. And it's kind of like the hard drive of a computer, right? It is the initial programming that goes in that allows all the subsequent programming to then be able to do its job so that you can grow up and be this person that is basically a robot for the world instead of the individual you, the authentic you, the self-expressed you, okay? 
So then what happens, right? So we have shame and guilt as this core, it starts to grow. They, the, the parents start to stack on top of this. And what ends up happening is we have this um, internal voice, if you will. Uh, sometimes it's called an internal parent. Um, you can call it whatever you want. It is negative. It is completely negative. It is where... All the things that we're hearing from our parents that are negative, is, um, and, not, and I'm, what I mean negative is, it is really the negative love, okay? However that was expressed to you. That is replicating itself over and over and over again in our subconscious mind without anything on the outside um, controlling it. It is that little voice in our head when we're 35 years old that says, you can't do this, you can't be this, you can't have that, that we hear over and over again, or whatever voice that you have that goes on in your head that keeps you from doing the things that you want to be, do, and have, that stem right from this shame and guilt. That's where it comes from. It stems right from that. So it's like we have this... Um, internal version of our parents running around uh, right with the shame and guilt that anchor us. They keep us totally anchored to this idea that we're not good enough, we're not smart enough, uh, we don't have the resources, um, we're, not, we're not people of possibility and wonderment, but of, of limitation, of victimization, of entitlement, of in tremendous amounts of insecurity, okay? Because there's nothing foundationally to, to build off of there that gives the person a lot of confidence. This is also what allows later in life the ideas that when people place doubt in your mind for them to be able to actually grasp how you think. If you've ever seen my belief triangle, um, the triangle is basically based off of the principle that a triangle is a very strong um, shape and a belief is very strong and it's made out of three things internally inside of us that are all congruent. And that is our thinking and our feeling and our being or our actions are all the same. There's no doubt in there. Uh, it's not something that we're worried about. It's not even something that we think about. It's just there and it's part of us. So when you're already conditioned to allow something to come in that would throw that off kilter and make you go down the wrong road, the idea would be it would have to be something that could cause a doubt. So for doubt to come in, it has to fall on something. Right? In, in other words, it has to trigger something in order for doubt to work. Because if you were 100% certain, it didn't matter how many people are around you that had doubt, it wouldn't affect you. Right? But what happens is, is that because we have these parents in our head and we have shame and guilt, it is like the, the perfect planting ground for the seed of doubt to be dropped in at any point in our lifetime and to cause us to spin and go backwards. 
So doubt affects our thinking. That's the first place that it attacks us, how it attacks how we think about things. And then worry comes in after that as an emotional process that causes us to what we call spin. And spinning is basically when we're having circular thoughts around the same problem over and over again and we can't get any clarity. It's just constant confusion, right? Then... From there, we go into creating the role. Because we can't have all this chaos going on uh, at a young age, so we have to find some level of certainty in our way of being. And the way that we find that is we, is we create or we get put into the role. I've talked about before that the role is basically an agreement. It is an agreement between you and your parents for you to be this person and to not change being that person ever. <clears throat> so if, if you don't go in and do the work, you're stuck being that person for the rest of your life. The role has rules. Do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. There could be a million different rules, okay? Um, think about the rules that you have in life. Those are when you think about things that things must be this way or they should be that way or they shouldn't be this way or they shouldn't be that way. All of that indicates what your rules are around specific things, right? Now, those rules then turn into behaviors. Behaviors or a way of being. So the behaviors are a cause set in motion that are an embodiment of the shame and guilt and the roles and the rules, and they go out away from us as a cause set in motion and are returned to us in the form of results, circumstances, and our environment. Those behaviors also do something that's absolutely fascinating. It creates a habitual way of thinking and a habitual way of feeling. But what, what is important about the word habitual here is that they're compulsive, right? So it's you're compulsively thinking this way and you're compulsively feeling this way and you can't seem to break out of it. That, from that point there... What is happening is we're creating our life. And most people are creating their life out of a compulsive way of thinking and a compulsive way of feeling. And it, is, it does something that's very, that's very limiting. And the, the limiting part is, is it really narrows our experience or the way that we can experience life. Um, we can experience life in a myriad of different ways. And if you take some time and just study other people and watch how they are experiencing life, it's very easy to identify what their roles and rules are. Um, remember, all of these roles and rules are designed to keep you safe at some point, right? Even the shame and guilt is designed to keep you safe because fundamentally, people believe that, we, that everything is unsafe, that we live in an unsafe world and, and there, there's no certainty because they don't have a solid rock to fall on. So 
when we're compulsively thinking in a, in a specific way and we're compulsively feeling in a specific way, it limits what we can experience, which then reflects back into the way that we think and feel, and it limits our options. Um, when our options are limited, it disempowers our ability to choose. And the, our ability to choose is really, when you think about it, our greatest power. It's the power to change anything in our life, and it is the power that actually sets us free, is our ability to choose. But that's consciously, right? So if it's compulsive, it's subconscious. It's not conscious. So we go back into this circular spinning way of thinking and feeling, and then the thinking and the feeling, when it is compulsive, makes us feel uncertain. Because you, you have to remember, simultaneously, there is this desire to be, do, and have more. And so there's always this raging battle that's going on under the surface with every human being that you pass walking down the street. Even the person that is impeccably dressed, they seem to have their whole world in order, Everything's to, everything seems to be wonderful. With most of them, uh, they're as fragile as an eggshell. And if you were to spend some time with them just digging a little bit, most people break down in tears when it comes to this life that they've created for themselves that they feel completely locked into and have no way of escaping because the habitual thinking or the compulsive thinking and the compulsive feeling keep them limited to their ability to choose. And they don't realize that really any person has the ability at any moment to say, I'm done with this and move on to anything else that they, that they would want to be, do, or have in their life. And the moment, so if, if I say that to you, right, like instantaneously you could say to yourself, I'm done with everything that I've lived, whatever your age is, say you're 35. I'm done with this, this 35 years. And I'm going to redesign myself, and I'm going to be, do, and have whatever I want, and I'm going to do it starting today. Uh, almost instantaneously, all the reasons why you can't or shouldn't do that start coming flooding into your mind. Um, if you spend serious time the idea would be that inspiration would come to your mind. Enthusiasm would come to your mind. But when it doesn't, and all the reasons why you can't do it or shouldn't do it, that goes all the way back through the, through the compulsive thinking and feeling, through the behaviors, through the roles, through the parents, through the shame, and back down into that place where the heart is, except now in that place, we have a self-image. And that self-image is the false side of us that tells us who we are and or who we think we are. And who we think we are is a body that does a specific job or a specific position in life, think about everything that you do really has positions to it, right? Um, you know, a husband, a wife, a father, a mother, a boyfriend, a girlfriend. 
uh, whatever your title is uh, where you work. Um, you think, you know, think about going to a place and applying for a job and they won't tell you what your title is. I mean, immediately your mind goes into confusion, like, who would I be? Where, where am I? Uh, what is my position in the company? I don't know what my roles are. I don't know what, what I'm, my duties are that I'm supposed to fill. How can I be responsible? It totally sends a person into, into chaos. You see people in relationships where their relationships blow up one day because somebody decides to be something other than what the rule of the relationship is, and then the relationship completely blows up because another person can't deal with somebody breaking outside of the rules that they have for their partner. When we do this, The only option that we have is to consistently bring in people into our life that fulfill the internal guidance of those internal parents. So if you take a close look at your life, if you have not made significant change, you're going to find that almost everybody in your life is in some way... uh, a replication of mom, dad, brother, sister, grandma, grandpa, whatever your family dynamic was. And we consistently you know, surround ourselves with those people. If we're around people that are not like that, we go into judgment because judgment keeps those other people from affecting us in a way that would allow any kind of change. And it's usually not looking at them in a good way, but finding out what's wrong with them or what's different about them so that we we think we're protecting ourselves from them, right? But we're really not. We're protecting ourselves from changing. If this gets bad, and it generally does over a period of time, a person does not realize how do I deal with this in life. So they numb out. And they then move into what we call um, numbing substances or behaviors. This is where, this could even move into addictions, if you will. It is where a person is bringing things into their life to help them cope, uh, their coping mechanisms in some way, for the compulsive thinking and feeling that they can't get out of. And for most people, if they don't find a positive outlet for this, it progressively gets worse as they get older because the older they get, the more stuck in the routine they are, the more stuck in the false life that they've created. Um, Of course, whatever responsibilities that they have at that point in their life become uh, one of the biggest excuses that they can create for not being able to do anything different. And if we go all the way back down again, so you go in and out of this, back and forth as many times as you can because it helps you start to understand the essence of it and what causes us to stay in it, you go right back down to shame. And you go right back down to guilt. Because the pain on the outside is so tremendous and so triggered that we falsely believe the things on the outside are creating it when actually it's just a reflection of that internal shame and guilt. And internal shame and guilt are very much like two guards at the door 
preventing anything positive from getting in that would allow you to have a new choice to actually break out. So, you know, the patterns leave us with no choice, right? Because they're compulsive. And when I'm not getting my needs met on the outside, um, I go into shame. And that means that I'm wrong. So if I'm not getting my needs met outside by people, then I'm going to go back into the shame. If I'm not getting my needs met at work, if I'm not getting my needs met socially, if I'm not getting my needs met sexually, if not not getting my needs met uh, in friendships, then something must be wrong with me. So that's just an idea of how it reflects right back down into the shame and guilt again. And it is extremely important to know um, that the emotional part of ourselves that is, that is still very much a child cannot make decisions from that place. So we need something external brought in to give us a new idea of how to change this, okay? But as we talked about, um, as Wayne Mueller said, you're not broken, Childhood suffering is not a mortal wound, and it's not an irrevocable shape of your destiny. You need not remove, destroy, or tear anything out of yourself in order to build something new. Your challenge is not to keep trying to repair what was damaged. Your, Your practice, in other words, it has to be a practice, instead is to reawaken what is already wise and strong and whole within you to cultivate those qualities of the heart and spirit that are available to you this very moment. So that's where we're going as how do we actually do that? Instead of going in and making all these internal changes only to find out after a few years of work that shame and guilt are still in control and really limited the amount of change that we can make, how do we actually practice stepping into the authentic self. Remember this. The reason that we stay in this compulsive way of thinking and feeling with the shame and guilt being in control is that shame and guilt do one very specific thing that stops us from change. And that is it totally suppresses expression. And if we can't express we can't change. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.